Trading Nut, episode 186. I don't understand. You, your son has a better chance at being a great trader than ever going to the NBA. The NBA has been open for 70, 80, 90 years. Only 5,000 people or players have ever played in the NBA. That's it. That's it. The market's going to do something. Your job is not to fight it. The market never, ever runs away. It's always there. That personal diary of trading will make you a much better trader than... I could be right about the direction, but wrong about the trade. Don't focus on the monetary side. Trying to make too much money on a trade is what I have seen killed every trader. Your losses offer you some of the greatest insight you can find into your mistakes. Relax. Learn the process. Candlestick pattern trading is a freaking trap. Don't be in a rush to become a millionaire. Let the market tell you what the market wants to tell you. This podcast is not financial trading or investing advice of any kind. What's up, traders? Welcome to another installment of the Trading Up Podcast. I'm, I'm your host, Cam Hawkins, and today we have Swaggy C on the show. Finally, Chris Williams. Uh, it's taken me uh, probably over a year to get him on. Uh, the guy's busy as, and we finally made it happen uh, just a few weeks ago. Uh, guys, and it is epic. It's an absolute epic show all the way from his home now in Puerto Rico. Uh, now, we talk about things from baby pips to babysitting to having a baby. Um, we dive into a lot of great detail. There's so many nuggets in here. You're probably going to need to listen to the thing a couple of times. Um, we go from his very first trading success all the way through every step of the way, breaking it down to where he is now, um, swing trading, live trading in front of his uh, group of people pretty much every day. Uh we did shoot a video after this as well. We're going to get to see Chris break down a price chart. He uses stuff that I haven't seen on the show before. So, um, yeah, really want to check that out. It's over there on the YouTube channel or on tradingnut.com and the show notes links under the video if you're watching or in the podcast description. Now, before we get into it, just a reminder, the July Trading Nut Funded Cup is underway. Leader of the Cup is currently at 102% return already. I can't believe it's only been running for like a couple of weeks. Um, Now, if you missed out, there will be another Cup coming up, so stay tuned for that. So stay tuned on Trading Nut um, or head over to City Traders Imperium. Check out that leaderboard, and you can probably sign up for it. You might be able to sign up for the new Cup there soon as well. Um, Now, last but not least, before we get into it, the Robot Builders Club, the price has returned back to normal after the whole Algo Funder Mastermind um, bot release. And you can now get, if you join the OMB bot, open market break bot, which is based on the op- break, a break of a candle on the market open. Uh, I built this. It was a strategy submitted by one of my members who uses it to trade the ASX. So thank you for that. And you guys get access to it if you join the club this August 2022. Um, links under the video for that as well. All right, folks, uh, enough from me. Let's get on with the interview. As you'll know, as a trader, one of the biggest issues can be coming up with enough capital to make it worthwhile. Well, the good news is my sponsor, City Traders Imperium, have solved this problem for you. Their day trading and swing trading funding programs mean you can trade between 10000 and $4 million in capital with up to 100% profit share. Yes, you get everything you make on the account. Plus, the folks at CTI have made it super stress-free, allowing you up to six months to pass the funding challenge, which means if life gets in the way, you can park things for a while and stick to your trading plan. To check them out, click the link in the description below or in the card above. All right, folks, here we are on Trading Up. We've got Chris Williams, a.k.a. Swaggy C, as you probably know from YouTube and the likes uh, in the house. It's taken us all day to get to the stage where we can actually record. Uh, he's in Puerto Rico. I thought he was in L.A. Then I thought he was in New York. But no, he's in Puerto Rico. I'm in New Zealand. Um, here we are. He's up up at crazy hour o'clock. But I'm so glad to get you on the show, Chris. 
No, I appreciate it, man. Like I said, I've been I've been watching your podcast for for a long time, so I, I know I'm hard to reach at sometimes. But I knew eventually I'd be on the podcast eventually, so it's a blessing, man. It's an honor. Yeah, well, look, I, I'm so pleased to get you on because I've been watching your stuff for a number of years from all sorts of weirdness at the start, uh, not from you, but from like, you know, people in the community to uh, to now and even finding out things like the fact that you are actually a big, big brother reality TV star, which I only realized yesterday. And I was like, yeah. what? And you're, I think you're the second reality TV star on the show uh, on the show. A guy we really? had on before was called Adam Mesh. Uh, I think it was episode 149 of... 52 traders and he was average joe he was part of the average joe series where they paired them up for dating um and did you meet your wife on big brother i did i met her on big brother the first time like the, the, the best part is that like if you google it you could see us literally meeting for the first time hi my name is swaggy my name is bailey for the first time it's crazy yeah i tell you what i'm gonna i'm definitely gonna go and try and hunt down that series what series was it because it was a series 12 was it what, what, season or 20, 20, 20, season 20. Okay. I'm going to try and hunt it down and, and watch it. Cause it'll be crazy. Um, it's, it's crazy. It's something we can always show our, our daughter, like ever, always, always. That is mad. That is absolutely mad. Um, well, look, we've got a bunch of traders listening to the show and I know they'd love to get us talking about big brother, but I think what we should do is start with your trading journey and go from there. So how did you get into it and how did it all evolve? Cause I see you were, posted as a day trader on big brother so you obviously got into it before that way before yeah so big brother was in 2018 but i got into trading in late late 2014 so what happened was my dad had just passed away in october and once he passed away and, and i was playing division one basketball but i took like a little leave of absence to go put his funeral when i came back i was you know trying to do anything to make him proud and i was playing basketball but then i was watching like a battle rap going to the cafeteria and before the battle rap came on an ad from ty lopez came on and he was like here in my garage and you know health wealth love and happiness and blah, 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 boom and something in his first five seconds caused me not to skip the ad um i'm gonna turn this uh, ac off but it called me not to skip the ad and i watched the entire thing the whole three-hour seminar and i bought his program and within that 67 subs program he was talking about forex stocks options real estate you know uh social media marketing but Forex was the only thing that I could get into for like a hundred dollars. Cause you had to realize I'm a broke college student. I got like five dollars on my account, ten dollars on my account, mommy for money, you know, fifty dollars here and there. I'm getting refund checks. So after that, I jumped into Forex and I just jumped right on baby pips. I found baby pips in like maybe February, February 2015. And and I didn't really study baby pips too much until the summer. But I did little by little, little by little. But then once the summer hit of May. From May to August, all I did was study baby pips the entire time. And then there was a company around called like Wealth Generators, WG. It was like a, it was like some MLM, but it was like pushing Forex. I didn't know what an MLM was. So I just joined and it was like, we have our leaders doing this and this and that. So I'm like, okay, I'm just going to learn from the best. This is what life is. It is, you know what I mean? Um, and then I did that. And then from, you know, I went back to college. When I went back to college my last year, and this kind of ties it all up. I wasn't playing my junior year when I like division one basketball, like I was on the bench. So for me, I was like, I'm on the bench and the best player on my team is averaging 30 and he's not even getting an NBA tryout. Like he's going overseas. So I'm just like, okay, if that's the best case scenario, I got to figure this forex thing out. So once our season ended, you can look at the dates too. I did this in my, my second year of trading results. Our season ended March 6, 2016. You can look it up. St. Peter's lost to Fairfield university on March 6, 2016. So 
from March 6th, March 7th and beyond, it was our first week of like no practice. You got to understand the basketball player, especially division one, you're practicing from like two to like eight. You're doing a weight room then three hour practice, then film session, then recovery. Once all that was gone, it was my first week of trading. I made $2,000 in a day. My first like day, like without trading it was March 10th that I made $2,000. I put that screenshot in like my second year trading results video on my channel. And once I made that $2,000, I was like, so I'm dropping out. I, I, I got to drop out. I, I, have, I have to focus on this full time because for me, I, I really thought I found something that I was great at, like something that like, or, or I could be great at. So 2001 day, my first week without, you know, practicing and it's my, my first like real, real year in the market, I'm going to drop out. So three months later, I dropped out. I told my mom, like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I'm going to be a forex trader. You can either support me or, you know, uh, be mad at me. She chose to support me, which helped me out a lot. And long story short, what I did at that point, I dropped out was I needed some type of guaranteed income to fund my accounts. So instead of, I didn't drop out of college to work at a job, I started babysitting and I only babysat rich kids. I, I babysat for like three, four years in the rich. If you look up Greenwich, Connecticut, Greenwich, Connecticut is the richest, uh, the richest city in the richest state in America, Greenwich, Connecticut, the richest city in the richest state in America. Yeah, yeah. I actually oh, was looking at it on Google Maps the other day for some reason. <laughs> I know, Greenwich. I know, yeah. Yes. So, and I lived in Bridgeport, which was a hood. It was like 40 minutes from Greenwich. So I would literally take the bus or the train, like even though it's a 40 minute drive, the bus got to stop, stop, stop to get there or the train got to stop. It would take me two hours to get there. I'd babysit them for five hours and then leave. I do that literally like four or five times a week. I was making like five, six grand a month. And I was using that money to fund my account. Now, just back it up for a little bit. Like between me dropping out to like for those three years of babysitting, I bought like nine different courses, like literally nine different courses on like how to trade, what to do, what, what to do this, different strategies, which we'll get into later. And then what I did was eventually I got to a point where I just meshed all the strategies together in my head after about three or four years. And then I started trading consistently. And then now we're in year eight and I'm still going strong. Well. Wow. And all the way back to that very first trading week, I mean, can you remember how on earth you made 2000 and what did you have to put at risk? What was your balance? Was it yeah. like craziness or just a lot of luck or what happened? Looking back on it, it was for sure a lot of luck because I had like a, a $300 account. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Realistically, so that, that wasn't my first week of trading. That was my first week of trading without practice. I was tr trading last year, blowing accounts and my first real trade like real trade, I was in English class, like Brit Lit or something like that in freshman, my sophomore year of college. We were studying Oedipus Rex. I was so uninterested. Looked at my phone and I was up $250 on EURUSD. Like when you're a beginner, it's like, oh, trade EURUSD. It's, the, it's the, you know, the best pair. It's the, the big one. You know what I mean? Lowest spread, let's yeah. do it. So I was up 250 and that kind of opened my mind. Like th there's a big possibility. In this. And this is before I even touched baby pips. Remember, I, I came across the market in February. February to May, I was still looking at baby pips, but I didn't really dive deep into it. And then literally an hour later, I blew that account. <laughs> like, like an, I was just, uh, just risking. But a year later, yeah, when I made that $2,000 trade, I had a $300 account size. I used a, a, a standard lot, but it, it, it must have dropped or I don't know if it dropped, dropped or went up. It did something. If you look at the actual uh, screenshot, I can't even see your screenshots. You can put it up here. Like it must have dropped all type of crazy because I only used a standard and I made 1900. It was like 1978.72. So I just said 2000. And I was like, wow, that's actually crazy. 
And what what can you remember? What I know it was a long time ago, but I mean, can you remember what you were trying to do at that point? Did you have a strategy? Had you even decided on strategies, or were you just like, "This looks like a buy. No. This looks like a sell." It, it looked like a buy or a sell, whichever one. I can't remember which one it did, but it was crazy. Is like at that point, I had only bought aside from baby pips. I only bought one course. It was Steve Morrow's beat the market maker course I was, I was a first, aside from wealth, wealth generators and baby pips yeah. that was the first course i ever physically bought and the trade was so opposite of what he was saying <laughs> you know it was just like i was going off what baby pips was telling me and what youtube was telling me and what wealth generators was telling me that i'm like okay i'm just gonna do this like the beat the market maker method sounds way too uh, complicated you know you got mustard moving average you got four different moving averages you got all this it's like it's too confusing i'm just like i'm not even gonna do it so I just traded a different way and I made that money and I saw I was going to drop out from then. Now, it's, afterwards, like, real quick before you ask your second question, it wasn't like the next day I made another 2000. It wasn't like that. It was like, okay, now I'm going back into the ebbs and flows of making 200, losing 200. You know what I mean? But yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. it's only the possibility. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, so, so how did that ebb and flow go? Like, was there a point in which you were, you got, you know, I, I, did you did you carry on? Did you blow ca- accounts? Like, did you blow more accounts after that two thousand? And and did you at what point were you going? I've actually now got it. And how did that transition all happen? Yeah, I would say I probably blew maybe three or four accounts after that. But the blowing the accounts wasn't like okay. Yes, anytime you blow an account, you're being stupid. You're over. You're over risking. You're over leveraging. I get that, but. It was more so just a mistake on my end. In the beginning, when I was blowing accounts, like before that 2009, it was just, I didn't know how to trade. I didn't know what I was doing. Afterwards, it was like, okay, I'm being too greedy. You didn't really have to get in this trade. You knew what you were doing. Like the trade just went against you. It wicked you out. Like, why'd you even risk that much? So whenever I blew those accounts, the the last four never changed my psych. It changed my psych in terms of, I I gotta be better. But it didn't change my psych in terms of, you don't know how to trade. The first four when I was born, I was like, damn, I'm just wasting money. I don't even got money like that. I'm using refund checks. I'm asking mom for money. Like, you know what I mean? So, but yeah, for sure. And so, so you said you took nine courses, nine different courses after that. And yeah. I mean, first of all, like there's, there's guys out there listening that are, that are obviously wanting to, you know, look for courses and find courses they can invest in and stuff like that. I mean, what was your your sort of methodology in terms of finding the mentors that you wanted to learn from and, and individuals want to, to to build up well, I suppose you didn't know at that point that you wanted to build or take things from different parts of different courses but what was your thinking around like I want that course I want this one yeah for me I was just so hungry for success I didn't care whose course I bought it was a matter of this person is doing what I want to do. They have some secret formula. I'm going to figure it out. Like I'm going to figure it out or die trying. And like I said, I started with baby pips, but it was a free site. It was like, how much can you really get from a free site? You can get as much as you can, but that back and forth, back and forth interaction, you can't get that from baby pips. You know what I mean? It's, it's all like you on your own. So then I went to Wells Generators, but it was too much. It was too much recruiting. Like I said, I didn't join Wells Generators to recruit and sign people up. I don't like that. So I was like, okay, I'm not doing this no more. Then it was Steve Morrow's Be the Market Maker. Um, and I was like, okay, like I don't, I get it, but I don't understand. It was too much, too much this and that. Like I, too many big words, especially for me at that time. I, didn't I knew it had to be a simpler way. Then I went to Storm Lewis, who's now Storm Bryant. She doesn't have any YouTube videos up anymore, but her YouTube videos was crack, 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 crack in 2016. I swear she was killing the game. Her name, is, her name is Storm Lewis. I, I wish to just day her videos was up because they got me through some crazy times in college. Storm Lewis, Jason Stapleton, who doesn't even trade for us anymore. I think he's like 
a news anchor or a podcaster or or Name he does options. Yeah. Something. If you type Jason Stapleton, his face will come up, but it's like him interviewing people on like politics. It's right. not like him trading when back in 2016, it was really him like, this is a bat pattern. This is confluences. And it was like, wow, he really got me through a lot. Then it was, uh, I, went, I studied Astro's course. I bought Astro FX's course. Like, and all of that money was coming from babysitting money. Like I would just buy courses, buy courses, buy courses, just because I felt like, okay, there, there's more, there's more, there's more that I'm missing. And it didn't get to a point where I bought like a few more courses after that. So I was like, okay, I bought all the courses that I possibly can ever watch. It's time for me to like try to put things in motion. So I started building my trading plan. I was like, okay, I kind of veer more towards this than this. When I trade on my demo account, when I trade on my, my small little live account, I'm using this strategy, not this. Let me X this out. And it went, I took like a full year to just figure out a strategy and kind of go from there. And, and how did that, like, because I think this is quite an important part for a lot of the guys listening is how, like coming up with that strategy that they can make their own versus, you know, getting a course and trying to follow something that maybe doesn't fit in with their routine or or they just struggle to understand it like you did with, with that uh, Beat the Market Maker. What what um, what methodology did you use or how did you, you know, you talked about crossing things off, but if you want to go into the minutia there and explain how you exactly sort of went down to finding out even like looking at the chart, this is what I want to trade. This isn't what I want to do. Or this I think works better and this one doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it, it all comes down to, well, can you still hear me right now? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. You, you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, for me, it comes down to, to comfortability. Like it was just, what am I comfortable with and what makes the most sense to me? What am I using and actually applying on these charts? What am I not? Like I've been telling people out there, don't ever, 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 ever buy a course to copy the, the, the trader verbatim. Reason being is because chances are you are not going to be the exact same trader as that person. You may be a scalper, but you're learning from a swing trader. You may like certain things that he do. And I tell people this, if you're going to spend money, spend money with the mindset and the expectation that I'm going to take at least one, two, three, four, five percent of things from this guy, maybe even 10, 20, even 50 percent. I'm not going to take everything because everything is not going to work for me. But if you go to this one course and you, you're, you're going to learn something, you're going to need to learn something that you can take with you or something you don't want to do. That's worth it to me. Like even me spending the money on Steve Morrow's, I spent over a thousand dollars when I didn't even have it. Even though I, I don't trade that way, it was worth it because I knew what I didn't want when I didn't want to trade. And number two, he it, he taught me some things in there that, I, that I, I took to the next thing. But for the most part, it was like, this is how I don't want to trade. That doesn't take away from him. That doesn't mean he's not a good trader. That just means the, the style he trades is not necessarily for me because it's too complex for me. Steve Morrow is like a 52-year-old man who's like very, very well off and retired. His He's he's operating from a 1990s, 2002 like, type of mindset in trading. He's probably refined this over a 30-year period. Me, I'm, I'm a rookie coming in. I don't know all about at that time, you know, the CFTCs and all these other things and liquidity and, and, and I don't know anything about, you know, institutional. And I don't know nothing about that back then. So I was like, okay, this is way too much for me. I'm trying to go back to baby pips. You know what I mean? And, and how did you... And but it does come down to being comfortable. That's all. Comfortable. And, and, and I, suppose, I suppose, before I ask the next question, like in terms of being... Com- so you might like, assume you're comfortable with a moving average crossover or something, you know, quite sort of rudimentary like that. But you can see that it fails all the time um, when the market whipsaws up and down. I mean, how did you sort of tackle that? Like, well, I like that, but it doesn't really work that well. How did you overcome that? 
Yeah, it's it's weird because starting out, I use like RSI. I was I was like the the heaviest RSI. Like, (laughs) RSI I would I I would have not like an RSI shirt, but realistically, like I everything I did was RSI. RSI got to be above seventy, below thirty. Like I just indicator based, and then I realized it was just it just didn't work as much that like the market could do whatever it wanted. It didn't give a damn if it was way over, like it'd be way over 70 and still be an uptrend. It's like, okay, I can't base my trades off of if it's over 70, get ready to sell. Like, no, that's, that's what they teach you on. Like, no, that's, that's not the reality of the situation. So I had to take certain things off the moving average for the most part. I, it, once we get to my charts later, you'll see that I have them off. I, I, if anything, I may throw them on real fast to see what the moving average say. But for the most part, I keep my charts clean as hell. Ever since I read Naked Forex, it kind of opened my eyes to like just having a clean, clean chart and not being consumed by the lateness of indicators, you know, when price is already moving and moving in direction, you know, so. Yeah. And, and what about like, I suppose, taking those learnings from all the different courses and bringing them back into what you do and then now tra- training other people on what, you know, how to trade. I mean, how do you sort of mentor guys that come through your programs and, and get them being able to overcome the, the hurdles of like, you know, trying to copy somebody um, whose style may not, for whatever reason, not quite resonate with them or there's elements that work and stuff that doesn't. Yeah, I had to tell them out, out the gate. Like, and it really dawned on me in 2020 when I started seeing people, like a few people, not a lot, maybe like four or five people, like would make YouTube videos about me, like, you know, Swaggy's this and I hate Swaggy. I don't trade like he, he does. He's not a trader. And for me, it was just like, I looked at him and it was like, I had, to, had, to, had a serious talk. With, at least one of them was like, had the ball to talk to me personally. And it was like, I just didn't understand what you were saying. And I went over here to somebody else who was doing this and I understood what they were saying. I'm like, that's more of, that's just more about you on what is comfortable for you. Just say that you like, you weren't comfortable with my style of trading. I'm a swing trader. I like to hold trades for days, let alone weeks. You are more of a scalper. You want to get in and out every five, 10 minutes. I don't trade like that. So don't say that I can't trade like that. Just say, I don't prefer to, you learn somebody else. So for me, ever since that, those moments in 2020, I tell people this when they come into my programs and, or my live trading program, when like I, I trade live in front of them, like, yo guys, when you guys come in, do not come with the expectation that you're going to learn everything from me. You may learn a lot from me, or you may learn that, okay, I don't want to really learn like this. I'd rather be a scalper. I'd rather do this and go for somewhere, somewhere else. But I tell people this, like, I'm probably the only, there's industry leaders out there who's like, yeah, buy my course and don't buy anybody else's course. My course is all you need. That is not true. That is not true. I'm somebody who's saying, go out there and buy 10 other courses. Go buy courses from my competitors. Buy them all. I don't care. It's not about money to me. It's if at the end of the day, you as a trader, like the person who's learning is going to make money. And if it, it means buying five different courses and trying to piece it together, do it. I don't have the ego where it's like, you can learn everything from my course and you're going to be the greatest trader. Some people may, but some people may need the extra help and extra piece to put it together. Go do it. I'm not going to hold you back. And I try to tell everybody that when they join my program. Good advice. Good advice. Now, you mentioned their live trading sessions. That obviously, you run for your, your members, I'm guessing. Um how how and this is sort of something I've always wondered. Like, how do you go from like trading by yourself and just trading, you know, at home and wherever, and you're in front of the computer just by yourself to now trading with a whole bunch of people watching? Um, does that is that was that transition hard? Was it something easy? Were there difficulties around it? Can you explain that in a little bit? Yeah, so that, so that last part again, because it kind of cut off. You said going from trading by myself to like what trading in front of people. Yeah, yeah, basically trading in front of people. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. So for, for me, the the hard part was more so the, the teaching part. So I just launched something like last week called the Live Trading Lab, where I trade la- I trade live in front of people damn near every day. They get to see it. They get to see a, a performance track in here. So they get to see it all. And for me, that was easy because it reminded me of the early days where I was trading by myself. The hard part was teaching. And I'll tell you why, because I'm just trading by myself. I get all this information from these nine different courses, plus baby pips from all the different places. And then I'm posting my profits, my losses on my stories. And all these people who, who know me from reality TV, from Big Brother, you got to realize when I came off the show, I had like 230,000 followers, 220,000. I had so many followers. So they're watching my every move. And anytime I post something that's not about me or Bailey, because we were like a, a big couple on the show and I'm posting like me making money, it's like, oh, what are you doing? Like, what's going on? Boom, boom, boom. Like, can you, can you teach me? Can you teach me? So instead of teaching everybody, I created a course and it was so hard because I'm like, I'm making 80, 90, 100 videos and I'm editing all the videos and I'm putting it all in the course. And then there's some people who's like, I don't get what a pip is. I don't get what a lot is. And for me, it was like, damn, I kind of see what those leaders I was learning from kind of feel because you got thousands of students like not grasping it. Somebody may grasp everything out the gate. Somebody else may not understand what a lot size is and they're three months in. Like I, that was the, the hard part for me. And I, I'd like, instead of being like, figure it out, I'd be like, okay, let me make another video and try to break it down simpler. So I'd make an updated video in 2021 and updated video in 2022. And so I got to the point where I was like, I'm done making courses. Like, I don't know if, you, if you've seen, but I stopped, like, I didn't stop my course, my program. I still have it, but I'm done making any new courses. I feel like I've taught courses for three years now. What people want to see now is trading live and, and them being able to trade live with me. So I launched a new platform where traders can trade live with me. They can either watch me trade live or they can trade live and I can watch them and we can all be on Zooms together, just trading live together. And I feel like that is what's, what's helping students because they get to see me in real life action my psychology if i'm making money i'm losing money am i really acting how i'm preaching like I'm, I'm telling people in these videos be robotic when you're in a trade win or loss okay now you get to see if i'm in a win or loss am i robotic or am i going around acting all crazy on the zoom like what am i actually doing and that's benefiting people a lot and that part believe it or not is easier than making a course because it, just, it reminds me when i'm back in my home just trading my laptop by myself it's just a camera's on me as opposed to when i'm making a course it's like I got to make a hundred different courses. If I if I stutter or if the video messes up, I got to start over. It's too much, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah. It's interesting. Um, you're probably in one of the unique situations or positions whereby you've got people coming into your world who have no idea about trading but want to make money, and they're from ground zero. Which I think most of the people that watch my podcast or listen to my podcast are not at ground zero because if they if they were, they'd probably be turning it off pretty quickly as soon as somebody mentions pip or lot or something that's actually in a funny way knowing all this stuff is not going to make you money in the market that's what i and i think all traders who understand trading know that i don't care what you know i don't i'm not going to watch the video what where it tells me what a pip is or tells me what a lot is or tells me how to press the button right. and it's like i don't care this is not my problem that's not the problem you're trying to solve um that's interesting so yeah it's it's that's it, that's a challenge for you um with with that additional fame that you've got at the start quick question before we jump into some more technical stuff around the trading did you win big for brother sure. did you win oh, big brother oh no i didn't and to kind of do a can you hear me yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to kind of wrap it up in like 60 seconds. No, I didn't. I actually was the second one eliminated, but I made such an impact in my first week and a half that the whole house did not like me, sent me home. But it, it made me so happy, believe it or not, because we all have that ego inside of us where like a lot of people were fighting us off and people didn't really like me and my wife coming off the show and, and they kind of castrated us. We didn't get the autograph. Like all my castmates got like autograph, well, most of them, autograph signings, meet and greet. Nobody booked me and my wife because they said that we don't think you like you guys can draw a crowd. And that, that made us feel crazy. So we felt like we were like at the bottom. But then I went super crazy in the market and my own brand, my life, my channel to where now we're up. Now all those people are like coming back to me like, yo, can you help me make money? Can you do this? And it's just like, just crazy how the world turns. So yeah. no, I didn't win, but I actually won because I got a wife. I got a daughter from it and I'm a multimillionaire. So yeah, I won. <laughs> if you want to say it like that. And just on that sort of mindset kind of thing, because obviously it is a mindset game for, for to get to that point. I mean, what do you think made you different from everyone else out there from a trading point of view and from just a, like a, a whole, you know, mindset persona around money and wealth generation and finance and that sort of thing? Oh, uh, it, it's easy for me. I, I was homeless growing up. Like I was homeless twice. I think a lot of people who have like, you know, general backgrounds where they come from the middle class or they, they didn't have too much money growing up, but they had some money or they grew up with money. Like it wasn't like me and my family was poor. I was legit homeless. Like I, I lived in a shelter for like a homeless shelter for a full year. I lived in a car for six months. Like I, and, and it wasn't like I was two years old when it happened. I remember I was, I was in eighth grade when it happened. And then I was seven years old, the other time, six years old, another time when, when it happened. And I remember, like I said, leaving the bus stop and all my friends would like run to their homes and I'm walking to the shelter embarrassed that I got to sleep in the shelter for a year straight. So I would tell myself every night that like, I'm, I'm going to make sure when I grow up, my kids never got to go through this. So it was, it was really easy to answer that. Like, why am I different with money than everybody else? I take it very seriously because I know what happens when you have like none of it. And like, nobody's going to help you. The government isn't going to be there. Your family is going to be there. It's like, it's your problem, your problem only. So I made it like a priority for me to always like, if I'm going to master anything, it's not love. It's it's money, and then then from there, it's gonna be everything else after that. And so so I mean that's and that's definitely a massive driver, and, and I, I can understand you know why you've got to where you are now. But from a mindset point of view, do you feel that that sort of like it, it, what what was the key, what's the key difference that you see yourself doing versus what other people are doing, who aren't getting to the point where you know they're, they're, so they're moving. In? Sorry, go on. No, go ahead, go ahead. You can continue. Yeah, I was going to say to the point where they're, they're um, you know, they're, they're moving from New York to or Texas to LA to Puerto Rico, and and you know they've got this uh, multi-million dollar um, lifestyle and the bank account to go with it. I mean, what what is it that you were doing differently from a mindset point of view versus what you see other people do that you think, oh, well, if you did this, then yeah, for me, I was yeah. It makes sense. I was just taking action. And I felt like it was because of my childhood, like in terms of how bad it was that I told myself that I had to master money. Like I was literally taking action. I was not scared of any risk. Like for me, I was like, I'm going to move to LA. I'm going to be in the city where there's all, everybody's networking, but I'm still be a day trader. I, I wasn't scared to post my, my videos online. I got friends who probably are better traders than me 
who are scared to post on YouTube because they're scared of like the backlash or the feedback they may get. They're scared they may only get 20 views. I'm like, yo, you're literally ill. Like I've seen how much money you make, like post it on YouTube. Like, because like they're talking about, I want a personal brand like you and this and that. And like, everybody knows you and Q and Astro and and, and James uh, Storm and, and Lambo Raul and all these people. They don't know me, but I'm a, yes, you are a great trader, but we all put ourselves out there. So going back to the you know, big brother and things of that nature, it's like, I just was never afraid to just be myself and put myself out there and take action, take risks, move to LA. Okay, LA is getting too crazy. I'm gonna move to Texas. I lived in Texas for three months. I hated Texas. Moved back to LA. Hated LA again. I moved to Puerto Rico. I'm not scared to fail. That's that's the biggest thing. People are scared to fail. I've talked to one girl on on Big Brother who was actually my enemy on the show, but we ended up you know talking you know years later, and she was telling me she hates where she lives. But it's comfortable because her family is there and, you know, like like her, her counterpart wants to be there, but she really does not want to be there. She wants to be somewhere else and she feels miserable, but she doesn't want to disappoint anybody. I don't give a damn when I'm disappointing. Like, I come first. And when I say I come first, I mean, like, there has to be a compromise if you're in a situation. But if you're not, like, you have to come first. And that, that, that means that means any means necessary. And the biggest thing, and I, I don't know why I didn't even start with this, is I I don't party. Like, that that's, has been my number one secret to success for years ever since 18 19 years old in college all of my college friends will attest that you do not see me at any parties like you you cannot find a picture of me there's been no parties that i've been at other than like the midnight madness of like oh it's a college basketball team midnight man let's hype it up that type of thing other than that there was no local friday night party that swag you just at i was in my room studying every single weekend like that at 18 years old, I still had the dream that I could get a trial with the NBA. So I was playing basketball. Like that was occupying every single weekend. All my college friends in Boston was, was playing, was partying. And they, they, they thought I was crazy for playing basketball. And then I ended up transferring to a D1 school. And now they're all crazy good at basketball, but they're all partying. And I'm studying forks. I came across forks, you know, when I was 19. Yeah. Even to this day, Alex just told me just now, he's like, yo, I see you. You don't really party. No, you, you won't see me at no strip club. You won't see me with. 10 Lamborghinis. I don't care about none of that. I just want to work, be successful and put my head down. And I think that's the biggest thing. The biggest difference with me and everybody else is that I just work. All I care about is work and my family. That's all I care about. I don't care about everything else that everybody else care about. <laughs> Guys, rewind this about three minutes, four minutes maybe, and play that again, probably three times. It's That is great advice. Absolutely great advice. <laughs> and I think, you know, from a mindset point of view, it's so hard for a lot of people to get there, but if you can get there, you you know you're an example of what what can be achieved. Um, let's dive into the into the trading part here. So, has your trading evolved like recently, or once you you know found consistency and profitability? Oh, actually, let's even dive back a little bit further. So, how did you go from trading? A, you mentioned a small live account and a demo account, like way back in the day. How did you up? the capital to be able to sort of make something that was more than, you know, pocket money. How, how were you able to up the capital? You said like, more than what? More than, more than like, you know, a few hundred bucks. So say, so like you, where you're actually making significant sort of return on that capital, maybe either from a percentage point of view or, or from a, a dollar value point of view, if you were like, you know, take flipping small yeah. accounts or things like that. Yeah, it came from babysitting. Like I said, I I would I love all my families. I still talk to like at least a few of them to this day. But like I said, when you're getting five or six thousand dollars almost every month, and it's coming from watching little kids and playing tag with them and playing two K, 
I never went home when I'm trading exhausted from work. Like I didn't want to work. I wasn't working a nine to five job where I'm just exhausted all day and I got to come home and learn how to trade. I was playing basketball. I'm a basketball player. I'm playing basketball in the backyard with little kids, teach them how to play basketball, then playing video games with them, putting them to sleep. And then I'm on the charts until the parents get home. And then I'm on the charts when I get back home. So for me, it was like, okay, I got, I'm getting this money. I'm getting this money. I'm going to keep putting it into an account. And I got to a point to where I was comfortable. I think I made like maybe let's say like $300 one time. And I took that money out, that, that, that withdrawal out and got myself like a haircut and bought some stuff from like Walmart. And aside from the $2,000, that was like a year prior to the kids be like, that was one of those first times that told me that the money you make in the market is real. I think my, my, one of my closest friends, his name is Xavier Bennett. He told me that people look at the market as if it's some video game. Like you see all these numbers on the screen, you're up $100, you're up $400, you're up $500, you're up $800, you're up $1,000, but you never click take profit because it's just numbers on the screen as opposed to literally taking profit and then going to your broker and withdrawing maybe half of that money and then using it to see, okay, this money is real. It's not just numbers on the screen. So ever since then, that's what told me that, okay, this could be real. So then I ended up depositing like you know, $1,000 into an account and tried to like take a, a $1,000 to $10,000, $1,000 And I would do go, go from $1,000 to $5,000 several times, several times. It just wasn't as profitable or not profitable, consistent until an extra, a year down the line. Like I tell people all the time, I didn't become like consistent where I feel like I'm comfortable. I can trust my analysis. I'm consistent. I can do this all the time. It's like my fourth year in the market. You know, around my third year, I was, I can, I would make money, but then it was like the next week I'd lose money or next week I wouldn't make anything at all. You know what I mean? So it was like, it was a little bit inconsistent, but the, the the strength, the mental strength that came from being able to just flip those accounts, it came from babysitting because I knew, this is what I tell people all the time, do not quit your job just to trade if you, if you don't have a track record or if you never traded just yet. Keep your job, maybe get a better job that's more lenient so you can learn more of the market and then because you need a guaranteed income. Until you become insane in the market, you need a guarantee. It's hard to like, if your rent money is relying on you trading and you're not like great just yet, like you're still learning, you're in some trouble. Because you, 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 there's, a, there's so much to learn that just a summer on baby pips or just one person's course. Keep, keep that guaranteed income. And I had that guaranteed uh, ba- babysitting income until I felt like I was good. And, and with those weeks where, you know, you, you had an up week and then you had a down week and a flat week. I mean, how many weeks would you have as up weeks versus the down and the flat week? And how did you deal with the down week and a flat week? Was it so that you knew the up week was coming? And you didn't like flip out and go, oh, I've got no, three I down weeks in a row. I guess right now, right now, I, I I don't care, bro. Like I, of course, I'm aiming for an up week every week, but that's not realistic to have an up week fifty two weeks out of the year. Like you know, it happens. But my my psychology is such a different level. I don't care anymore. Back then, sometimes it would mess with me. Like I'm I'm making two thousand. Some of my I'm just like, okay, if I make two thousand every week, that's eight thousand a month. That's that's basically hundred k a year. I had to be doing this every single week i'm good i'm i'm about to be you know the littest 21 year old ever and then the next week i would make 14 dollars, and it's just like how did this happen you know or the next week i would lose 300 it's like okay like what is going on i would actually like i would start like i wouldn't say doubting myself but i'd be like yo like you're playing around like if you in my notes i still have some of them i, I like rewrite my trading plan but it wouldn't be a trading plan it'd be more like a note to myself like chris you can do this. You've been studying for two years now. Like, what's what's wrong? Like, I constantly write notes to myself because it would mess me up to be like, I just made two thousand, three thousand. Like, I'm I'm lit. This is going to be continuous, and then it's not. 
So I never looked at like next week as if I had a down week. Okay, I had a down week. Next week can be an up week because you can have 10 down weeks in a row. It's not realistic, but you can have 10 down weeks in a row. There's no guarantee that you're going to make money in the market. Um, so it, it, it was kind of deflating a little bit, but I, I would say the more back testing I did, the more studying I did, I just took a, a quick break sometimes. It, it, it helped tremendously to get back uh, back on track. And you're trading from then to what it is now. What's the How similar are they? In terms of like with the strategy? Yeah, your, your style and your strategy, how, how similar compared to like back then to, to what you're doing now. Yeah, so the, the, the strategy overall is, is the same. The style is different. Like I'm more of a swing trader now, whereas before I, I, was, I was an intraday day trader. Like I was literally an intraday trader to where like I'm damn near taking trades every single day for the most part. Whereas now I'm, I'm way more of a swing trader where I will trade and just hold it for a few days, three days, two days. It could be, even be one day, but for the most part, I'm holding it. I'm holding it. Like I, I'll show you the trade later on AUD USC where I held it for like a the entire week and then the very next week i got in again because i i do so many different things i can't afford to just sit at a, in front of a chart for eight hours straight and i tell students this all the time like figure out what you want forex to do for you do you want to be in front of a screen for eight hours a day or do you want to make that money have it making money for you whatever case may be and then going out and living your life being on a vacation or being with your family being with your mom or do you want to be on the charts because some people generally enjoy being on the charts all the time for me i i as time went on, I didn't want to do that. Back when I was 21, yeah, it was cool because I was, you know, single and I was living at home and I didn't really have to pay rent too much. I was babysitting so I could be on the charts. I don't got nothing better to do. I don't like partying. I don't like, I'm not doing all, like, so I can be a day trader every single day. Now I have several businesses. People want me on TV. I'm declining shows left and right and I'm getting offers left and right. I'm getting business offers from, you know, whether it's Astro or, or Q or this trader them trying to do Everybody's trying to do a business deal with me. And then and then I'm doing business deals myself. And then it's just all these different things. And it's like, I can't afford to be on the charts eight hours a day. Like I'm going to be on as much as I can, or or as excuse me, as least as I can, because I, I know what I'm doing. So I try to like analyze the market as, as much as I could on Sunday. Like every Sunday, I will take that entire Sunday to just analyze and back test and do this and, and get my bias. So read, read all these articles on, on on these different news sites, get my bias. And once I'm in a trade use a higher lot size and then hold that trade and then go live my life and monitor, monitor it as the days go on. Okay. So, so let's dive into your, um, your trading now, what, what you're doing now. So what timeframes are you, are you looking at analyzing and then getting in on and monitoring those trades? Yeah. So the, the, the two hour, the four hour and the daily, I'm, I'm, I'm a higher time type of person. Sometimes when I have all four, like I'll, you know, the, the, the chart layout on TradingView, like you can have like four screens open at the same time. If I do that, the top left will be like a 15 minute time frame, like that, like for the most part. But if I'm just using one screen at a time and I'm toggling back and forth, it's the two hour to four hour and, and, and the daily for the most part, because I'm looking for the longer term trend. Like I'm folk, I don't care about what the market is doing today. I want to know what the market did the last two weeks so I can try and trade in that direction. So I don't like counter trend trading. The market may go up for me, but it may go down for you. Like for example, if you could be a day trader and what I mean by up and down, I mean like for the, for, for a very, very, very long term, it's coming down, but you're buying it because as a day trader, it's in a quote unquote uptrend because it's like 
as a day trader. Hmm. But as a swing trader, I'm looking at it from the last two, three weeks. For me, it's a retracement. It's just retracing. Like I've been selling it. It's just retracing. You're in, you're in a buy. It's, for me, it's retracing. I'm looking for a better entry and then it's going to come back down. So for, for the most part, I'm looking at a daily, the four hour to two hour, um, as far as my time frame. daily to analyze, um, four hour to kind of get my confirmations. Like if I, if I see a strong bearish or bullish candlestick on the four hour, I'm, I'm entering based off that. And then the two hours where I'll actually enter for the most, sometimes one hour, but two hour, one hours where I like, like to enter at. And, and two hours. Interesting. Cause not many people talk about the two hour chart. Now, how did you stumble on the two hour chart and what gave you confidence, you know, that that's your fourth chart? Yeah, for, for, for me, it's like I like to see as little amount of candles as possible. You know what I mean? Like if you look on, on a weekly time frame, you look at four candles, that's a month already. You know, I don't like looking at the 15 minute time frame. I can look at a thousand candles and that's just the last two days. It's like 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 what am I what am I looking at? It's too much clutter for me. So looking at a two hour time frame, it simplified the one hour because the one hour I needed 24 candlesticks. Whereas a two hour, I just needed 12. And it's the same thing as what the one hour did. And a lot of times, sometimes what the one hour will go up and then come down and that two hour just kind of simplifies it to like it's okay that's whatever it just did in those two pairs it's just all in one pair and in the four hour is just double that so like now i have the two hour and the four hour as opposed to like a major gap between there's a one hour time frame screw hours two and three and then here's a four hour i kind of go like two and then four and then daily some i had an eight hour time frame one time but I, that was just too much for me so i just got away from that so two four and daily and, and so like so, it sounds to me you you don't as you said you don't like looking at too many candles, right? So by looking at less candles, from in my mindset, it, well, in my mind, it means that you have a, probably a better understanding of what every candle means. Would that be correct? Yeah, um, I, I I focus on what these candlesticks are actually saying because somebody can get all mixed up in the day to day operations of you know, AUD, USD, or GBP, AUD, GBP, JBY, like the day-to-day stuff. And for the weekly time frame, all it did was just a simple doji. It just consolidated the entire week. But you're getting in and all these rapid movements, and it just was at an equilibrium the entire week. You know, so I like to look at a longer-term perspective because, like, if I know the trend is going down on a daily time frame, weekly, but a daily time frame, because a weekly can, like, you can look at a weekly and you can be looking at six months ago and I, I don't want to go that far. So when I say a weekly time frame, I'm talking about just the week by week, but it's really a daily time frame. You can be looking at, at, a, at a daily time frame and it's heading down. If I know it's heading down long term, I'm going to trade down. I'm not looking at any counter trends to get in. I'm looking at counter trends to, to spot when that counter trend is going to end so I can enter what based off that counter trend ending. Righty-ho, gotcha. Now, what about, like, um, how many trades will you be taking a week now then versus, I suppose, even back then, back then when you were taking, like, intraday trades? <laughs> Bro, back then, I was taking, like, 16, 30 trades a week. I was just in and out, in and out. Yeah. Maybe even more because there would be sometimes I'd have eight trades a day, and it's not like they'd all be profitable or all be losses. Sometimes they'd be broken even. I'd get in, I'd be in for like eight hours, but like it didn't do nothing. So I closed it or I was in drawdown, but the market came back. So I closed it or I was in profit and I came back to my charge without having like a, a like I wasn't monitoring it enough or had any alerts. So and then it came back to break even. So I closed it because the, the trend clearly reversed. Whereas now I'm probably, okay. So before I opened my live trading platform, I was probably taking like maybe one or two trades a week and just trying to hold it. Like, you know what I mean? Like one, two, three trades a week. Now, 
since I opened my live trading platform, it's just so fun to like trade live with everybody. Cause it's just like a few things. One, you get all these talking heads on YouTube who want to say this about everybody. Like this person's a guru, this person doesn't trade. And then I open a platform where there's a performance tracker history on there that you can monitor anytime you want. And then you're watching me trade live all the time. You're seeing my lot size. You're seeing I'm on a regulated broker. That's something nobody want to talk about. Everybody want to have these 100K, 20K, 300K days on these unregulated brokers. I'm on, a, I'm on a regulated broker. And they see that. And then it's crickets. There's no apologies. There's no, oh, you're at, you actually do trade live. There's none of that. They're just going about their day. But for me, when I say it's so fun, it's so fun to trade live and see people trading live with me and, and benefiting from it. But since I opened that platform, I'm, I, I kind of find myself trading a little bit more. Like, cause it's like, mm. I'm, I'm looking at my, my, my students' trades. I'm just like, wow, you guys are killing it. Have, have fun. I'm holding my trades. Then they're looking at me like, okay, what trade are you getting in? And for me, I'm just like, I'm a swing trader, but you're an intraday trader. Okay, I look at the market right now. Damn, I actually do see something. All right, let me get back in again and, and get scale in and do something like that. And I actually, I just opened it Sunday. So it's only been a week since I had it open, but I actually placed, I think, six trades last week. And that's the most I've probably traded in a week in like two years, bro. Yeah. I'm telling you, like, it's crazy. And was it was it hard to transition from that, like, 30 trade week to a two trade week when you made that transition? I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say it was, it's not as hard as you think because something fulfills that time. Like at the time where I was taking those 30, 40 trades a week, I was doing absolutely nothing but babysitting. Now I'm taking two or three. Those times where I would be taking the extra 30 trades, my wife is occupying them. You know, my my my, my team, my YouTube is occupying me, teaching other people, which, you know, it feels very liberating and, and, and makes me feel like grateful, like I'm doing something good, is occupying that time. So I, you don't, I don't really miss it because it's not like I'm just taking two trades and just being lazy. Something is occupying that time. So that doesn't feel like I'm missing anything. Cool. Um, and what about like risk to reward ratio? That's what I want to find out. Is like how many R would you be going for on a on a typical trade, and how do you manage those trades? It's funny because I looked at my and I put this. I gotta send you like the video of it, but uh, I, I looked at my my broker and like they have like a little analytics thing, and I'm always preaching like make sure it's like it's a one to three risk reward ratio, like one to three, one to three, one to three at a minimum. And I look at my broker statement, and it's like. Your average risk to reward is one to two point nine two two two, whatever. And it's like, okay, that's kind of one point three, but like, damn, it's like one to one to two point nine two, same <laughs> thing. But I guess that's my average risk to reward ratio based on stats. You yeah. can't argue with stats, but like me, realistically, I like I, I would like a one to three at a minimum for me, for example, because it tells me I'd have to lose if I keep it the same. I'd have to lose three trades, just win one trade or lose three trades to like break even. And I like to keep it at that as a minimum, as opposed to going one and one or even one and two sometimes. As far as average duration, that's probably I think I think it said two days and eighteen minutes or something like that as the average duration. Um, sometimes I will hold it for the full week. Sometimes I will get out like twelve hours later because I don't really like it too much or the, the move already happened that quick. Like if it's gold, for example, uh, chances are I'm not going to hold gold for a full week or two. I, I'm just not going to do that. You know, that's more of a, 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 a daily intraday type of pair to trade. So something around two to three days, um, the average time based on stats and stuff. And, and what about average win rate? So the average win rate I had was uh, 80%, um, which was, which was crazy to me because so I posted my average win rate twice on Instagram. I put I put it as my my actual post. One of them, if I could find the post right now, 
One of them was 75, yeah, it was 75%. I posted this picture. My win rate was, this is for my broker, it said 75%. Oh, yeah. And then this was February 21st of 2022. And then I posted the updated version of that same uh, brokerage on forex.com, the analytics. And it said, if I could, it's literally right here. If I could find it in two seconds, it said, it's freezing. Yeah, okay. It said eighty percent win rate, basically. If you see that, yeah, yeah. We so gotta, it, it yeah. went up. It went up five percent. Another eighty percent win rate. I like to post a lot on my stories and like people know I'm from reality TV, so I like to like keep my life engaged. Just post everything on social media and stuff. So I posted that, and it's at eighty percent right now. And what instruments are you trading? What symbols? Anything or you limited? I think I'm like the only trader who like hasn't really dived into like US 30 just yet or like Nas 100. Like I, I, I'm still sticking with GBP AUD, AUD USD, GBP USD, gold. Like gold for the most part is like my exotic pair. Like it's, it's a metal, obviously. Like but like that's my mm. my my uh, uh, craziness for the day as opposed to US 30. I actually got into US 30 a little bit like last week, but I, I've been doing great with my three majors plus the medal of gold, so I've been fine. But I'm probably the only trader who like won't come up here and give you like a US 30 strategy because I don't have a US 30 strategy. I don't yeah. trade US 30. You That's know? interesting, like, eh? Because a lot of people tend to, especially when they're trying to trim down what they're trading, will just go to US 30 or NAS 100 or something like that. Um, but you've just stuck with the forex tried and true. That's good. Yeah, cool. Um, now, what about your typical? Yeah, it, it makes sense. To like... Okay, okay. Yeah, what about your typical trading day? How does that pan out? And that, this could include everything else that you do as well. So I just did a day in the life on YouTube, and I kind of outlined everything. If you go to my YouTube channel, I did a day in the life of my life in Puerto Rico. And how it is is at nighttime. You know, once my wife goes to sleep, she goes to sleep around eleven or twelve EST. So London starts in about two or three hours from that time. And I know GBPUSD moves at like 4.30 in the morning, every single morning, damn near. I know gold kind of moves towards like, you know, late Asian, early London, that kind of overlap. So once it gets to 12 to one, I'm going to my office. I have a separate office. That's like, it's like, it's supposed to be like a pool suite, like a pool guest house that they had in Puerto Rico, but I use that as my office. Um, And I kind of go in there and look at the charts and I will be on live with my live trading lab. Um, and, um, I will, uh, analyze with them. And for the most part, what I do is I, I set alerts a lot. Like I won't, you won't see me looking, stalking a pair for two, three hours. I'll look, get a bias for the pair. And then I will set two alerts, one above one below price on where I think price could go because I'm a trader who is not like a, I gotta be right 24 seven. I gotta make money. I, I tell the traders all the time. I don't give a damn if you're right or wrong. Did you make money? Like if, if you said the market's going to go up, but it's going down. I'm not going to make fun of you for, for being wrong. I'm going to make fun of you for not being smart and, and closing that buy trade and getting it on the sale. Like that's just the reality. Like you want to make sure like you, you're right. So me for the most part, I, I'm, I'm going to have a bias, but I'm going to, I'm more so like if the market does this, then this is going to happen. But if it, if it also does this, I can see this happening as well. So I like to place alerts like on the chart that says, that reminds me, this would be my entry if price were to get here. And I place several alerts on the charts, and then I just close the charts so that the minute, if I never get a text on my phone from TradingView that says, 
boom, this alert is hit, then the market is still in between the, those lines. But once it gets hit, I know where the market is going to go from there. In my opinion, that's just like a, a guess that I'm doing. So if the market could text me anytime between 1, 8 a.m. Um, and let me know that I'm supposed to be getting in a trade. And if it does uh, give me an alert, I would get on you know, a webinar, place the trade live in front of everybody. If it doesn't give me the alert, then that time is literally I'm, I'm reading for three hours. I'm making a YouTube video for, you know, the, my YouTube channel or making a video for the Academy, or I may just, you know, take a nap. Cause a lot of people know I don't really sleep as much. I may use that time to take a nap instead of just sitting up waiting. I don't like just waiting for things. Um, I do use pending orders sometimes. Main, mainly reason is because I like to do a lot of things that help with my psychology. And if you follow me for a little bit, for me, it's like from my history, I don't use pending orders a lot, but for me, for my history is, when I was coming up, like especially my third year, uh, my second, third year, when I would place sell limits, sell stops, buy limits, buy stops in the market, you know, never, nothing ever happened. And I go to sleep, I would wake up or go to practice, not practice, but like basketball, just playing around with my friends, LA Fitness, whatever. I check my phone. My psychology isn't running around with my heart beating like I'm in a trade right now. Like I know when I place market execution, especially back in the day. I'm walking around like I'm in a trade. I'm, I'm checking my phone every two seconds like I'm in a win or blah, 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 blah. When I place the pending orders, I realized that only two things can happen. Either I'm not in a trade or I'm in a trade, but I at least have that option. And then I found a lot of times where I would go to sleep, I would wake up, I'd be in profit, but I'd look at the actual trade. And I was probably in drawdown for a few hours. If I wasn't, if I was awake during a drawdown, would I have closed? Would I have messed up and, and been all scared and closed out? Those pending orders for me, just you know, being away, being asleep, and checking my phone, just being profitable or waking up in profit, helped my psychology out. So back to the point about my, my my routine. Sometimes I'll use pending orders, but if I do get an alert, I will place market execution, and then I'll do that until about seven eight a.m. and then I'll probably sleep right before New York session, um, and then kind of wake up towards like noonish when it's like the market's kind of like slowing down a little bit. And what about, I mean, cause I've, I've tried to use alerts before on trading. And they work great for me sometimes, but what I find is when life gets in the way and you, I mean, you can't get back to the chart in enough time to get a trade on. I mean, how do you overcome that? Is that something, is that an issue or is it, are the timeframes high enough that you're always going to have enough time to get back to the chart? Yeah. So that, that, that that's, you, you hit it right on the head when you said the timeframe, like for me, I, if I was a scalper, every second counts, even as a day trader, every minute counts, you know, that's how I look at it. Like a scalper, literally like you miss five seconds. You probably just missed a trade with a scalper. As a day trader, you missed two minutes. Price then went 30 pips lower or higher than where you wanted to get in. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, your stop loss got to be too high at that point. As a swing trader, not really two minutes, three minutes, five minutes. Doesn't really make a deal. One case doesn't really make a deal because you're, you're holding it for the long term. You're looking for, anywhere between 100 pips and 400 pips every single time. You're not looking for a quick 40 or a quick 30. So for me, if life does get in the way, I'm still fine because I'm a swing trader. When life doesn't get in the way, I just got to get my phone and try to place the trade or get my laptop and try to place the trade. Because for the most part, nobody knows this, but I have one, two, three, four, five, six. I have like 12 computers in my home, like literally like 12 computers. Seriously. Like I have like, I have three laptops, three monitors, two big Mac pros that cost 50 K each. And then I got like two uh, desktop MacBooks, And then I got like a 49 inch monitor, like, like just, and, and, and that's not off my setup. Like this is a laptop I could take on the go 
One is for my wife. I, I use it from time to time because hers is a little bit smaller. Um, the three monitors is like my trading setup. The 49 inch is like more for a trading setup. The, the other two computers like edited for my editors who fly down from Los Angeles to edit. But um, yeah, I always have my laptop with me. I will never be without like life won't get in the way to the point I can't get yeah. in reach of a laptop. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's how you do it. Because I was wondering, like, if you're shooting a YouTube video and you get pinged, you want to put a trade on, what would come first, the YouTube video or the, the trade? How And how would you manage trade. it? So the trade by far because a YouTube video, like the, the beauty of YouTube, you can edit. You can't edit a trade. You know what I mean? Like, like you can modify and move your stop loss and a break even things of that nature. But YouTube video, I can stop midway through, pause it, and then pick it back up like I never left, you know, however much time later, and then just edit it on Adobe Premiere or Final Cut, whichever one I want to use. I use both and just go from there. YouTube can always wait. And, and what about like the scenario where you get, say you've got like you know, 10, 10 alerts set and you get, five of them go off at exactly the same time or there are thereabouts because there's been a big spike news spike or whatever it is have you had that scenario that you've had to overcome with and like you get to the chart and you're like which one do i go for and oh that one's you know how do you how do you deal with that yeah back in 2017 i had to worry about that but i don't do that no more because i only place like maybe I only look at, like I said, two to three pairs. Yeah, like yeah. I have, I have four set up on trading view, but I use like to trade two out of that four every week. So I, I, I will never get to, where I have 10, 12 alerts, you know, like it only be the two pairs I basically chose for the week and kind of go from there. And okay. What about like somebody starting out on this? What steps would you say, Hey, go through these steps to get to the point of being able to grow an account. In my opinion, figure out what pair it works for you. Like, I would say go through all the pairs and like take a few months to kind of get used to it. And so, cause I realized early on, I don't like New Zealand USD. I don't like USD JPY. There's certain pairs I don't like to trade, figure out what pair works for you. Once you figure out which pair or pairs, it don't got to be just one, but don't try to do like five, 10, 15, don't try to do too much. Hone in on those pairs. Like I remember talking to um, Sean and Nat one time from Asheville years ago and, you know, we was having a conversation over, over dinner and they were talking about what they tell their students. And it's just like, if I ask you where a, uh, AUD USD is right now, can you tell me, can you tell me what happened last week that affected it? If not, you, you, you don't know your pair. You know what I mean? Like you, you should be able to know ins and out. Like does the, the, the CPI really affect this pair? No, it doesn't. Yes, it does. Okay, cool. Does NFP even matter with this pair? Yes, it does. No, it does. Like what is actually going on? Like the prime minister for the UK just resigned. How does that affect the pound? I, I just read articles like that week that said this shouldn't affect the pound because the macroeconomic things are much bigger to deal with things that interest. So like I'm constantly reading articles about the pairs that I'm trading. And one of the things I would tell people right now is figure out what your pair is and figure everything out about it. It's not just a technical point of view. Read the fundamentals about it and, and hone in. Know what key levels it likes to stop at. Know if it likes to stop at these certain levels because chances are it's going to get way above or way below. It's going to come back to those levels eventually. Mm. But you and your mind know, okay, it stopped at this level before. I know this is already a major area that price is going to you know, stop at. So figure out what pair you like and do not over leverage or over risk. Like, do not trade more than you can handle. It's only going to be bad for you. And what about like if they had to, so now jumping, I suppose, into a price chart and you said, well, now you're on a price chart. These are the things you, you should be looking for. What things would you recommend? For me, for the most part is I would try to say, keep your chart clean as possible, but try to use the tools that, that are given, you know, like I know a lot of people, you know, 
who use, you know, smart money concept and things that they should be saying, oh, don't use like support or resist. No, you use, use all of them. Like I keep telling you this all the time. It's not the strategy that, that makes somebody profitable. It's, it's the psychology behind it. You look at all these different traders, damn near all of them got different strategies, yet they're all profitable. It's what do they, they all share the same mindset and psychology on how they approach the market, how they go about it, how, to, uh, how like, like it's a job, try to be consistent. They do the same thing over and over again. Telling somebody on the chart, use the tools that, that they have present. If you don't like them, great, don't use them, but use all the tools present. And for me, if I see a blank chart, I'm going to figure out which key levels that the market actually like, likes to, to, to respect and actually stop at. Especially because like if price is at 1.79, I'm not going to look at 1.98 or 1.52. Like, that's too far away. I want to look at which levels nearby just like like to stop at, and then mark mark my chart based on where it stopped at, where it likes to stop at, and then see if I can you know if it's a trend line. That's one of the biggest things. Like aside from where it stops at, is the market trending? There's only two things the market can do: trend or consolidate. Like up down trend or consolidate figure out which one's doing and then trade on the side that it's doing. Like that's the biggest thing to tell them, figure out where the trend is going and trade in the direction of the trend. Mm. And, and what you mentioned mindset there, I mean, do you have any special sort of tricks or hacks or something, maybe something you've even used in the past to help get your mindset or help somebody else get their mindset right? Yeah. I just don't care. <laughs> like that, that's, that's the mindset that I have. It's like, I said this in my video where I, the video was titled uh, becoming a millionaire in Forex in six months. That was clickbait. Cause when the minute you watch the video, it was like becoming a millionaire in Forex in six months will not happen. I just didn't put the one out happen in the video. I want them to actually listen to the video for what it was. You know what I mean? Um, but in that video, I said, if you come into this market, giving yourself a timetable uh, or excuse me, it's not time, a time limit, you're a scam. Like you're a scam who's saying, I'm going to come in and if the market doesn't make me money in three months, then I'm just going to, I'm just going to leave. I'm just going to quit. Like you, you are a scam. So for me, I, I look at it as I, I, said, I said this in that video as well, where the market it is not responsible for your problems. Like all you come to the market with, you know, low on bills or this and that the market's not responsible. So for me, once I realized that it all was just easier for me, where it's like, okay, the market has nothing to do with my situation, the market did not get me here. The market is a tool that I can potentially, if I'm good at it, use to get me to, you know, higher highs. We want to talk about the trading perspective, like higher highs realistically. Okay, I don't care. The outcome is the same. And I learned this from trading. Everybody talks about trading in a zone. That's not my favorite book, but in um, talking about trading in a zone, one of the things that I took from that book that helped me tremendously, and again, I don't know why I didn't lead with this, was he had mentioned in that book, Mark Douglas, look at athletes. Athletes just react instinctively to the market. Like they don't care. They, they obviously you care if you win, but they react instinctively on like what they think is going to be the best. And you realize every single time that you did just enough to pull through. And I'm looking at it as a basketball player. Like there are games where I shot nine for 17. That means I missed eight shots or, 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 or six for 22. That means I missed 16 shots, but we won the game. Or I, I did just enough. I reacted. I got a steal, a clutch steal. I did something that helped us win the game. 
and looked at the market as that from like a monthly perspective. There may be some days where I may miss or or, or I may win or things that nature. But at the end of the day, did you have a good month? Did you have a, a, a bad month? Okay, if you had a bad month, what do you do in basketball? You study film, you, you study all the things you did wrong. You studied why you fouled too much, why you fouled out. You studied why you can't play defense. You try to get better. And that's the same with the market. So the, the, the one thing in terms of psychology is I don't care no more because my psychology is more so that you just got to react to what the market does. And if it goes well, great. If it doesn't, then it is what it is. Kobe Bryant is one of the best players of all time. He also missed the most NBA shots of all time. You go to baseball, Barry Bonds or is it Barry Bonds or Hank Aaron, they got the most home runs in MLB history. They also got the most strikeouts. Seriously? Like it, <laughs> That's just the reality. You can be great, but you could also have mess ups. That doesn't take away from how great you are. And when I realized that, it was like, got it. Just react to the market. Yeah. Oh, that's that's that is that is very good advice. Um, now, what what about like I just want to dive back. And we're going to wrap up the show soon, but um, when you were doing your thirty to forty trades or fourteen to thirty trades a week, that's that's a lot of trades. And I think at some point, you know, you might have even been doing more than a handful a day, or we had to be doing more than a handful a day, maybe five, ten a day, or something. Sure. Um, were there any points where you got to the point where you were like going on tilt? Like you were just, you know, off the rails, right? I'm, I'm, you know, I've lost three in a row now, and I'm just gonna, I'm going crazy, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna take this trade that's not on my plan, and I'm just gonna take it anyway. Um, and how did you, did you have any sort of um, techniques that helped you get over that, if that was ever the case? No, I've never had a raging moment with the market. If anything, I may just close my phone and be like, okay, I'm not trading for a week. I'm gonna take the next week off and call it a day. I'm really, really level headed. Um, but there was one moment in my first year, uh, I think it was my first year, first year, first year and a half where I was in college and I didn't really have too much money, but I had a $10 account. Um, I think like the minimum you could deposit was like either 10 or 20. It was like one of those super unregulated brokers that allowed me to deposit that. And I talk about this all the time. This is still the worst loss I've ever taken in, in, in a forex market. I don't care about losing five, 10, 15, 20,000 nowadays. This is still the worst loss I've ever taken. I had a $10 account. Um, and then I forgot how the story went because it's so long ago, but long story short, I woke up at two o'clock in the morning. My roommate was asleep. I was studying London session. I studied London session for three hours straight, was trading, and I had a, a penny lots, and I made, I think, five or six dollars, and I felt so liberated. Like, all the studying I've been doing, it just went went well. I'll never forget it. Something happened with, with USD CAD. It was a pair I've never traded before, really. And I was like, well, this looks good. I know structure. I know no market structure. Okay, cool. I'm just going to trade it. And I traded it and I used a 0.2, not a 0.1, a 0.2, just a little bit. And within like 20 minutes, it completely w- lost, like it wiped away the, the $5 I just made plus an extra 6 or $7. So that $10 account I had that just turned to 15 is at like $3 now. And mind you, I'm a broke college student. So like, once that happened, that, that was probably my lowest point in the market. Mind, just my first year in. That was my lowest point where I literally sat in bed. I didn't cry, but I'm not a crier. But that was my first time where I felt like emotional, where I was like, this may not be for me. That was the only time I've ever questioned it. Then I woke up and I got, got right back into it. Cool. Now, um, we'll wrap up the show with a few quick fire questions here. Uh, do you and you you are like to me you're probably the, the the Ty Lopez of the forex world in terms of the books that you've read and I only I, I say that because well you just mentioned you read three hours a day and I've seen some videos that you've done where you're like here are the books that I'm reading you've got like you know ten books out and I'm like I'm lucky if I get through one a month on audio, audible 
Um, yeah. What would you be your recommended book for uh, traders? And then for, I suppose, and then for anyone. Yeah, I would say uh, Market Wizards is probably one of my favorite ones with traders because it's just a, it's just a, a bunch of interviews of actual traders in real life. One of the traders in there named Michael, he, he made 80 million over like a, a eight or, or nine year period, which averages out to eight or nine million you know per year, which is amazing. And people don't understand that. Like, that is amazing. Like people over here trying to make a million a day. And it's just like these are literal traders, the best traders in the world focus on making, you know, a few million a year, sometimes eight, sometimes one, but they're cool. So Market Wizards is my favorite Forex book, probably. Um, as far as my favorite book in life, I would say The, the Richest Man in Babylon, for sure. Richest Man in Babylon is still my favorite book ever. Well, I've never read that one. I'm, that, that's definitely my next listen on Audible. Um, what's your preferred yeah. broker and trading platform? Uh, Forex.com. Um, I, I use a, a regulated broker. Um I there's only I use one unregulated just for gold purposes, like for the leverage, but because Forrest doesn't let you trade gold leverage. But other than that, you will catch me on, on a on a regulated broker. Hey folks, ever wonder what broker I use? Well, I use Hanko Trade. It was a no-brainer because I was looking for a broker with good trading conditions and one that wouldn't restrict my leverage. Now by joining Hanko Trade, I've also cut down my trading costs significantly with their super low commission of just one dollar per one hundred K. You can learn more at HankoTrade.com or just click the link I've put in the description. What's your, do you want to walk us through your worst ever trade? Yeah, the one I just talked about. Like, uh, that was the worst one. Yeah, okay. In my life, I don't care how many times I lose 5,000. That is the worst trade I've ever taken. I, I, I almost cried. I don't cry at all, bro. Okay, brilliant. Well, um, last question. Do you want to leave our listeners? Uh, with, oh, sorry, if you could leave our listeners with one piece of advice, what would it be? Uh, do not give yourself a time limit on when you can succeed in this market. I hear people all this all the time saying, I bought this course, I bought this thing, I, I did this live trading thing, then I'm still not profitable. You cannot put your worries on the market. Please do not do that. Give it, don't not give yourself a time limit. Like for me, even though I started becoming consistently profitable my, my, my fourth-ish year, I was fully, if I never got on Big Brother, I was fully prepared to be a babysitter for another three or four years until it happened. You know, I, I don't like, for me, it's like, I don't care if, if Q got it in six months. I don't care if I got it in four years. I don't care if Alex got it in two years. I don't care if Sean got it in one year. Like you coming in, you're different. You may get it faster than all of us. It also may take you a little bit longer, but you may be better than all of us. But do not give yourself a time limit because it's like you want Forex to be the, 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 the solution to all your problems right now. That's not what it's supposed to. It, it can be that. But how can it be that if you just give it a one year time limit and just quit? that's my one biggest piece of advice do everything you got to do buy these courses join these different things learn on youtube trial and error but do not quit like that's the biggest thing oh also one last thing i want to say is that people want to talk about this is the one thing i love i love i love saying people want to talk about 90 percent of day traders fail and use that as okay now i'll never make money you got to i want somebody look at the stat to go on google how many day traders are there in the world like if, if 90%, how many day traders are there, in, including people like us? And, and I got like 20,000 students in my, in my course alone. That's just me. Imagine Q, imagine Ash, imagine people who's trading, like people within these banks. Let's just say there's a million traders in the world. So 90%, so 10% of profit means a hundred thousand people are profitable. You they, basically saying you have a better chance at being a day trader than going to the NBA or playing a professional sport, which has like a 0.001% chance of getting there. But all these people out here are saying, go to the NBA, chase your dreams. And they never tell you that those stats when it comes to day trading, 
It's risky. I don't want to hear that, man. I don't want to hear that. Yeah. I, I get it, but no, I don't want to hear that. Yeah. Well, parents will put their kids into, you know, the, the, the latest sports programs for $5,000 a, a term or whatever it is, a school term. And then, you know, they spend 20 grand a year. It's like, oh, I want to go. I want to, uh, a $1,000 Forex course, Dad. No, son. <laughs> you can't. No, but we'll pay for this. No, immediately. I don't understand. You, your, your son has a better chance at being a great trader than ever going to the NBA. The NBA has been open for 70, 80, 90 years. Only 5,000 people or players have ever played in the NBA. Yeah. That's it. That's crazy. That's yeah. It. yeah. That's that's mad. It's crazy, bro. <laughs> yeah. Hey, look, um, it's been awesome having you on, Chris. I've really appreciated your time and, and what you've shared with us today. I think this is going to be a top, top episode. Um, before we wrap up, what's the best way for the guys to get hold of you? Um. If you want to look at my social media, um, I'm on Instagram a lot at SwaggyCTV. My YouTube is The Swag Academy. My Twitter is SwaggyCTV. The program that I have right now uh, is uh, www.livetradinglab.com. I'm really pushing that because a lot of people, you know, want to see me trade live, want to trade live with me, want me to critique their trades, vice versa, all in real time. I'm pushing that over my course. Main reason because the course is the program, like it is what it is. You can watch it by yourself. Or you can trade live with me and I can we can do it all in real time. So www.livetradinglab.com, that is where I'm active every single day. And um, that's where you can find me. Brilliant. Well, look, a big thank you to Chris for sharing with us today everything we discussed there, along with the links that he's all just mentioned now. Well, to find them, simply search for Chris or Swaggy C in the search box on tradingnut.com. Until next time, wish all my listeners trading happiness and success. Right, folks, there you have it. Into done and dusted with Chris. Now, I told you it was a good one, right? Uh, guys, please go and listen to this again because there are some absolutely massive nuggets in here. Getting someone who's been through the full journey in the last few years is really a treat for us. So, um, don't forget, we did record a video after it where he breaks down his trading strategy, so how he analyzes the chart, and there is a bit of a prediction in there as well, which I've able to, I've been able to confirm and update and added a little piece of the video to that as well. So definitely go and check that out. Links under this uh, video here if you're on the YouTube channel or if you're on uh, the podcast, then it'll be in the podcast description. Uh, remember, Trading Up Funder Cup, go and check out those results. See how those traders are doing it in the leaderboard over there at citytradersimperium.com. And also the Robot Builders Club, the doors are open in August for the OMB bot. So this is a bot that trades the open market break of a candle. So if you guys want to go and find out all about that, then you're going to need to join the Robot Builders Club. Head over there, links under the video. Uh, I teach you how to build trading robots. That's essentially what I do. So, all right, guys, thank you for watching, and we'll see you in the next one.